man, I am really glad to be here and I am trying so hard to not just explode with all of the energy that I have. And so if you'll just give me a second to see, because I need to remember where you all sit in church from now on. And so if I can file this away, that'll help me uh, later to be able to find you where you are. Janessa's over there. Okay, great. All right, great. Very good. Hey, thank you all so much um, for the uh, encouragement uh, that we've received, even some online, online messages and things like that uh, over the last month as we've begun this process of transitioning this direction. I've had so many of you reach out and say, hey, we're praying for you in this. We know it's not all easy and it's not. Um, but I appreciate that so much. And I've had uh, several people tell us that they're praying specifically for our church at Cedar Lane in Tullahoma. And I appreciate that so much too. So thank you for that. Several of you have also been a part of things this weekend that have been especially important to us. This was the weekend that we came and we said, okay, uh, even though Kelly and I know a lot of people here from for many years, we lived in Little Rock before, uh, for our kids, this is all a brand new experience. And so this weekend, uh, we had a chance for our kids to hang out with some of their new central buddies. Uh, and those kids were awesome. Uh, and they've been very helpful in uh, helping our kids imagine what a new life here would be like for them. So thank you. And we got to spend some time uh, with the, uh, I got to spend some time with the men yesterday, uh, some, some men that were here for breakfast and uh, moving some stuff around and all that. Thank you. And some, uh, got to hang out with some 20s uh, last night. Now they weren't doing that for us, but we just crashed their party uh, and they seemed to receive that okay. And thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for the hospitality uh, that at this point in my life, the hospitality that you offer in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, is one of the most important things in my life right now. And I mean that with all sincerity. So thank you. Thank you for that. Also, I want to say uh, it was nice for me this morning to get to come to class, okay, to be a part of the 40s class today, uh, which is my um, I know it, it looks like I'm not old enough to be in there, but um, to be a part of the 40s class, uh, and I know many of you today, as today is a class reboot day, uh, were a part of that process of coming back and building that habit of joining in, studying the word together. That, there, hey, that chapter, did you guys get to the bottom of everything that's in that First Peter 1 chapter? A lot left on the table, right? And the, the word is always that for us. It is always an endless feast where there is more and more to dive into, okay? So let me encourage you to be a part of those learning communities and come, make it part of your habit to come and absorb and feast on the word of God with your brothers and sisters. It was great for us this morning to be a part of that. And I, how many of you were a part of that this morning? Several of you, I know I, I got to duck my head in several places. I, it was great, wasn't it? Wasn't that a good experience? Um, I'm still talking, so you've got to say yes, yeah? Okay. Was that a good experience? Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some drills on this if we got to work on it, okay? It was good. It was a good thing. And let me encourage you, if you haven't been a part of that yet, then to go for it too. So when we decided we were moving here, uh, 
I asked Shannon, I said, hey, look, what is it that you guys are even doing right now in terms of, you know, I know you've got this interim thing going on and other people are filling in. And let me say that uh, for those of you that filled in and preached over the last year, I've listened to a lot of those uh, sermons and they were wonderful. They were really wonderful. Uh, and to hear from some of you about the way that you're reflecting on what it means to follow Jesus together was really great. I asked Shannon, like, what is there a text that you're using? He's in, in, he said, we're doing the Gospel of John. And I was like, that's my favorite. Why are you doing that to me? Because that means I can't preach through John for a few years now, you know? And it's like my favorite, my favorite of the Gospels. I love working through the Gospel of John. And I love the things that the fourth Gospel has to say to us. And so when he said, hey, what are you going to preach on when you come? I said, I'm going to do the Gospel of John. He said, we're finishing the week before. I was like, no. I'm doing the whole thing again. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. And so um, I hope you don't have other lunch plans because we're going to be here. It's going to be here right now. Let's pray together. And then we're going to dive into this fourth gospel. Can we take one more week to get just one last thing out of it before we turn our attention to something else? Is that okay? Okay, let's do it. Let's pray together. Oh, giver of all good things who has revealed yourself in Jesus, your son, and who's come and brought us into the company of disciples. Oh God, would you be with us in this moment as in this moment of our discipleship, we are ready to listen again to your son, to be taught by him. Oh God, be present with us and by your spirit, Remind us of the things that your son has given us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. The Gospel of John is my favorite. It's beautiful in its simplicity. I love the way that it holds what it has to say, uh, it, what it has to teach us, and the way it, it kind of frames it. The Gospel of John is framed in a very uh, two-part way, where it starts off for the first 12 chapters. It has a lot to say about who Jesus is, who Jesus is, the revealed Son of God. And the disciples kind of learn, and the crowds sometimes learn and sometimes don't, and his opponents sometimes don't and sometimes do find out that this, this person, Jesus, is more than just a regular old teacher. He is the very presence of God in their midst. And his glory is revealed to them over and over in signs. He has a lot to teach, but John doesn't tell us yet what Jesus has to say. Not in those first 12 chapters. You notice that? You can study, John, those first 12 chapters, and you won't hear any moral or ethical teaching about things like how to pray or, or maybe, you know, forgiving your neighbors or anything like You don't hear anything like that in those first 12 chapters. John holds all that until chapter 13, where he says, hey, my brothers, I've got a new teaching for you. You should love each other. Love each other. And so these next few chapters of John are all about that, how these disciples should be a company of people who are going to love each other, love each other radically by serving each other, watching each other's feet, right? They're going to love each other all the way to the point where Jesus says, no greater love has anybody than this, than what? They lay down your life, right? You lay down your life for your friends. 
Jesus has that to say in chapter 15, and that whole section is about Jesus showing them that true love, the kind of love that he's calling them to is about sacrificing yourself for other people. And then Jesus doesn't just say those words, he does it. And in a very literal way, he offers his life for their sake, putting himself between them and the danger that they were immediately facing, offering his life up. And then Jesus, of course, in the punchline to the whole thing, shows that that sacrifice wasn't just a way of giving up his life, but his life is given back to him and he's raised from the dead. This is what real life, ongoing, true life looks like to have that kind of love for your brothers and your sisters. This is the Gospel of John. Jesus revealed to be the Son of God, revealed to show the disciples what love looks like and inviting them to be a part of that mission in the world. Yeah? But I've left something out. I left out a gospel thread that is not just in any one particular chapter, but a thread that is woven through the whole thing showing up in different bits and pieces all the way as we move through the entirety of the gospel. And we really can't think about what John has to say and what Jesus is and what Jesus is offering to us in John unless we also are ready to talk about the Spirit. It's too easy for us to move through the gospels or the New Testament and forget that thread that's present in all of these teachings, right? Even in 1 Peter and the stuff that we looked at today in class, the, the Spirit was there. The Spirit was there. But it's easy for us to kind of focus on some of the other things that each text is giving us and ignore that piece of the Spirit. The Spirit is revealed in John and revealed in ways that give glory to God just as much as the re revelation of Jesus does. And it's just as much a part of our discipleship of how we follow Jesus together that we pay attention to the Spirit. So what I want to do is I want to go through John a little bit today, and I want to trace the thread of the Spirit through that work. Before we do that, can you bring my mic down just a hair? <laughs> Thank you. That was a little hot. A little hot. Get a little hot here. Okay. All right. I was going to keep whispering more and more and eventually just fade away into nothing. So let's talk about the spirit. We're not going to look at every text in John, but we've got a, a selection that we're going to work through. Okay. And as you can see, that's a lot. And so we're going to move fast. You guys ready to move a little fast today? John chapter one. Okay. When we talk about John and the way the story is introduced, we begin with John, a different John, John, the baptizer, the one who comes and John tells us over and over again in this piece that he was sent to baptize with water. Okay. He tells us, I'm the one who came. I was sent to baptize you with water. And there are crowds coming and John is coming there and he's giving witness and he's giving testimony to who is coming after him. That's John's role to talk about who it is that comes after him. Okay. But look with me in the first chapter and beginning in verse 29. John 1 verse 29. The next day, John, the baptizer, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is John's testimony about who Jesus is, right? Here comes the one who will take away our sin. Amen? Man, that's who Jesus is. That's who we know Jesus is. 
He's the lamb who's going to take away the sin of the world. And he says, verse 30, this is the one I meant when I said, a man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. If that's confusing to you, it was confusing to everybody that heard it. I myself did not know him, but for this reason, I came baptizing with water. Was that, the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So Jesus, John is the one baptizing with water, right? And then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. So that thing that Jesus, that John said earlier about Jesus, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How did John know that that's who Jesus was? Because he saw the Spirit come down on Jesus. And not just come down and pay a little visit, kind of like we're doing this weekend. We're just doing a little fly through. We're out. We're going to go back home today, right? But when we come in June, we're coming to stay, to remain to dwell. If we're living in the days of old King James, we'd say we're coming to abide, right? And this is the word that will later be on, a very important word for John is John th talks to his disciples about abiding with him or that he will abide in them, correct? Okay, and here he says the way that he recognized who Jesus was is that he saw the spirit come and remain on him. The Jesus that's going to follow through all the rest of the stuff in this story is the one who goes in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is all about the unity of God moving in the world through Jesus. John says, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water. There's our second time, right? Said, or the third, that's actually the third time we got earlier. And the, 33, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain. That's important to John. He's repeating it again. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. So the way that John recognizes who Jesus is, is he sees the spirit come and dwell and remain on him. And that's how Jesus's body is still recognized now. Because people see there's something living on those folk that's different. Not just a Holy Spirit moments, but a Holy Spirit life that remains and dwells on them. Man, I love that uh, John here talks about Jesus is the one who is going to baptize us in the spirit, right? Jesus is going to be the one who is going to baptize us in the spirit. And I want to say in our, in our fellowship, we do this baptism thing, right? And it's too far for me to reach back home. I could reach in there and I could pull some water out, but I have to like climb up. I'm not doing that today because it'd be too weird. But we, we, you want to be baptized here at Central? Live? You got to get down in the water, don't you? Because we talk about baptism being an immersion. You're immersed into the story of Jesus, into the blood of Jesus. You're washed by the blood of Jesus, right? And my friends, we've settled too long to be immersed in water and sprinkled with the Spirit. Because the Jesus on whom the Spirit dwells and remains wants to immerse us 
in his spirit. For it to be something that completely floods our lives. Now we're going to move to chapter three. And I know that I really want to stop in chapter two, but there are limits to your patience for the new guy. But if you want to talk about chapter two, catch me at lunch. Deal? If you want to talk about chapter five, maybe next, next month, okay? But chapter two, I'm ready to talk about at lunch, okay? Chapter three is the story of Nicodemus. I was really tempted to put Nick at night, but I thought that was too much of a dad joke, okay? Nicodemus comes in the middle of the night. He's a teacher of Israel. And he comes and he has things to ask Jesus. He says, we recognize that you are one who came from God because nobody could do the things that you're doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus recognizes this. And Jesus has something to say to Nicodemus. In chapter three, let's begin with verse one and read this. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see, can perceive the kingdom of God unless they are, what is it? Born again. And Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter into their, a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus just saying life the way it is. He says, well, that baby's out, Peyton. That baby don't go back in. That's a one-time thing, right? Jesus says to Nicodemus, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit. No one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives, bless, gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus needs to hear and the church needs to hear too that when we talk about the spirit of God and what it means to be baptized into the spirit of God, we're not talking about something that allows our same old life to continue as if we never heard anything different. When we're baptized into the Spirit, we're talking about coming into a brand new life. A whole new trajectory on the way that we think things will be. A whole new reality where the things that used to be normal can't be normal anymore. And the things that used to be weird, well, man, that's just the way things are. Jesus even talks about that a little bit right here, doesn't he? He says, you know, when you, you see the wind and you don't know where that wind came from, you just see leaves blowing around in the, in, the, in, the, in the air. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. And people of the spirit are like that. They're wild, unpredictable, right? You can't really explain why the spirit leads to some of the things that it leads to. You start following the spirit and in this brand new life, Next thing you know, you're out in the middle of the city planting corn for folk, okay? Now, 
this is some of our 20s group out here. One of the, one of the neighbors uh, in, the, in this, uh, this, am I pointing the right direction? This way. Man, that's going to take a minute. Okay. One of our neighbors who has uh, been a part of the, the community efforts here in the, the local area. Tell me that zip code again. 72202. We only have one in Tullahoma. Okay, so one of our neighbors that has been reached here by some of the group at Central uh, offered and said, hey, when you guys do your uh, trunk or treat thing in the fall, it's been something that impacted their neighborhood. We want to invite you to have a corn maze on this lot that we have. Invited, so, so corn doesn't just grow up on its own. It's got to be planted. And so some of our group went out. And you see some of them planting some of the corn. I was really glad to have conversations yesterday when I met with that group last night to talk about things like USB chargers and the way people drive in the left lane too slow. We had a little conversation icebreakers, all these kind of pet peeves. But I was also glad that I had a moment where I could talk to Joanna about what she sees the Spirit leading the church into in this ministry. People of the Spirit find themselves in things that they could not have predicted. They don't know where it came from, and they might not know where it's going. But the Spirit drives that process. That's part of what it means to be people of the Spirit. If we move on into chapter 4, we find the Spirit present in this conversation with Jesus and a woman at a well. He's in Samaria. And he has this conversation with somebody who is there to draw water. And he, while he's there, uh, he asks them for water. He asks this woman for water. And she says, you must not know that I'm, you know, I, you, it's weird for you to be asking me, to be associating with me. And he says, woman, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, if you knew who I am, you'd have been asking me for water. In chapter 4, follow with me in verse 7 and following. The Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman came and said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as also did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, the water of the well where he's at, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I've come to really love this phrase in John where Jesus is telling us that the spirit, the spirit is a well of water. It is a fountain within us. It is not just a source that you have to tap and you kind of get only so much and you got to make it through your ration. But the spirit is something that lives within us and it is welling up. It is bubbling up. It's kind of coming up from, from the, the source of who we are. The spirit is a source of life for us right here in the middle of our hearts. And it is constantly providing the thing we need. 
Jesus moments later is going to tell this woman she has some worship questions. She'd like to get some technicalities straight. And Jesus tells her that God is spirit and the kinds of worshipers that God is seeking will worship him in what? Spirit and truth, right? And that spirit can be a little ambiguous for us. We can say, what is it that he means by worshiping in spirit? What does that look like? And I don't know that it has to be all that complicated I think Jesus is saying in this whole text that when God's spirit is within us and it's living within us like a fountain within us, that from that source comes our worship. Our, our worship isn't something that has to be manufactured. We don't have to like come up with it, okay? It's not about the techniques or the technicalities of the way that we produce it. Worship is something that arises from the depth of our being as we allow ourselves to be driven by what God has placed within us. Now, I want to say, that's also not just an individual thing. It's also a communal thing. And there are times when I'm having trouble connecting with the spirit that is within me. And I need you. I need to sit next to other people who themselves are connected to the spirit of God so that I can drink out of their fountain every now and then. It's not just that the spirit is a fountain within me. It's a fountain within us. It's a fountain within us. And God's presence with us through the spirit is an unending source of life. This text should be connected with us to what happens in chapter 7. Chapter 7, Jesus is in a, uh, at a festival in Jerusalem. John loves to track the uh, uh, festivals that Jesus goes to, these re religious pilgrimages that he makes down to Judea. And while he's at the Festival of Booths, the Festival of Tabernacles, which is a way of celebrating God's provision in the wilderness. Okay, Think about it like their Thanksgiving. The way that God, celebrating that God was present and carried their people through the time of their greatest need. And if we, there's several moments where Jesus is dealing with controversy through this text, but if you go all the way in chapter 7, down to verse 37, it says, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, I love this image, man. No, it, the Jesus there in the courtyard of the temple, like standing up in front of everybody, right? And just proclaiming to everybody this phrase, let everyone, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John goes ahead and tells us, he didn't tell us this in chapter four, by the way, in chapter four, he just talks about the living water, right? And he just talks about it as being this thing that's going to well up within us, this fountain of life within him. But here Jesus goes, or John gives us a little note. And John says in verse 39, by this, he means the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So John is kind of tipping his hand. It's a little foreshadowing, right? He says, hey, by the way, when Jesus is talking about this living water, he's talking about something that hasn't come yet. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. 
In this text, though, Jesus is, I think, saying something very similar to what he said in chapter 4 to the woman at the well there. He's saying that the Spirit is something, this living water, this fountain from within us, is something that satisfies our thirst. It quenches our sense that there is something else that we really desperately need. We sang today, let all who are thirsty, let all who are thirsty, come, come. And we sang it to Jesus too, right? Jesus, come, come. And part of our work in the world is to be people who reach out to Jesus and say, Jesus, there is something that you have that we cannot get anywhere else in this world, and we come to you for it. And we will rely on you to satisfy and to quench our thirst. And then we say to the rest of the world, we, we put our voices with Jesus and we say to the world around us, we say, world, we will help you plant your corn. <laughs> or if you're out there and you are in need and you're thirsty, we can tell you where to find the water. We could introduce you to the one who satisfies our thirst, who teaches us the new way. Jesus, the living water that he provides through the spirit is meant to help us find contentment in a world that always wants to tell us that there is something more that we need to show us that there is satisfaction in the way of Jesus. Like we said in the, earlier in the prologue, John 14 is part of this section from John 13 through John 17. It's a one long conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Here in this part in chapter 14, uh, he has some things to say about the Spirit. It's not the only place, by the way. In that longer section, there's lots of things that Jesus has to say about the way of the Spirit. I think there's some really neat things in, the, um, in chapter 15, the part about the vine and the branches. Again, would love to talk about that over lunch. There's more in chapter 16 that Jesus has to say, but read with me about what he has to say at this part in chapter 14. It says us something really important about the Spirit. In verse 23 and following, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and will make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Okay, we summarize that part and say, it's important for us to do what Jesus says, right? It's important for us to do what Jesus says. All this I've spoken while still with you. Verse 26 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So put these things together, right? At first, Jesus says, it is important for you to do what I'm telling you to do. Follow my teachings. Now, specifically, he's talking about the teaching to love each other. Okay. Jesus is saying, you need to follow the teachings that I've given you that will define your life and who you are. But Jesus isn't content to just say, so do the best you can. Follow my teachings. Good luck. Instead, Jesus says, it's important for you to follow my teachings 
And the spirit that I'm going to send to you is going to be the one that's going to guide you and remind you. The, the spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. It's, it's way of Jesus talking about the life in the spirit is what enables us to do the things that Jesus has taught us to do. The spirit is not just something that we perceive in our emotions, that we feel. It is part of our discipleship. The way that we embrace what Jesus' life is all about and what it means for us to be his disciples. The Spirit's role for John and Peter and all them was that after they dealt with the chaos of the, the cross, to come back to them and say, Remember the way that the teacher gave you. Remember what it means to live as Jesus's people. There's one last story that I want to talk about. And it's in John chapter 20. It's the story about when Jesus came to his disciples in the resurrection. On the evening of that first day of the week, this is John 20, verse 19 and following. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After, this, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But my friends, this story doesn't end there. What follows in the couple of verses after this is by far the weirdest part of the Gospel of John. <laughs> and it's something that is hidden in this Gospel that if you weren't paying attention, it is really easy to miss. In fact, a lot of times we think of this story here, the part that we just saw where Jesus came and he showed his hands and his eyes to his disciples. You guys know what happens after this, right? Who wasn't there? Thomas, right? And so we get a repeat of this story where Thomas is present and he has to meet Jesus. So this is kind of the setup for the, quote, doubting Thomas story. I thought Dutile did a great job of talking about this, about how it shows in the Easter Sunday when, when he was preaching and listened to that. And his, his point that it shows us that Jesus will come back for just one. I love that. Love that insight by the Spirit. But I want you to hear this other piece of this important thing that happens. Jesus comes. He says, peace. He shows them who he is. And then it says that he does this. In verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did you know that part of the story? I mean, be real about this. Did you know that Jesus like blew on his disciples? <laughs> I know some of y'all didn't know that, okay? And I remember when I was studying this and I realized the story, I was like, what are you talking about in this story? Now, we all know the story about the Pentecost when the Spirit comes the way Luke tells that in the, in the book of Acts. 
okay? Where the Spirit comes, flames of fire, speaking in tongues, all that stuff, right? And that's Luke's version of how the disciples encountered the Spirit of God. But John tells it a little bit different. John says it happened when Jesus gathered all his disciples together, okay? Or he actually meets them in their fearful meeting and Jesus appears to them. They freak out. He says, calm down, peace be with you, which is Greek for calm down. Peace be with you. And he shows him who he is. I'm, it's really me. It really is me. And then the next thing he does, and this is not a footnote in the story. Y'all, this is important. It was so important that John told us that this is who Jesus was going to be. When John the Baptist says at the beginning, Jesus is the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John was telling us at the beginning that this is how the story was going to end. He was pointing to this moment where Jesus says to his gathered disciples, <sighs> what? He breathes on them and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's Jesus' great gift to his disciples. It's a gift with a purpose, this moment of the breath. I don't know what else to call this one. This moment where Jesus breathes on his disciples is the part where these people who have been his followers are now going to be followers with a mission. Jesus says throughout the whole gospel, I am the one who was sent by God and people throughout the gospel are recognizing that's who he is. In this moment, he says, the sent one, as the father sent me, so I send you. Who had a bigger mission in, uh, in the world? You or Jesus? And I know you want to say Jesus because we're a church. But the truth is, it's the same mission. And just as we were sent, just as Jesus was sent in the world, so we are sent into the world. And we are not sent out on our own. Good luck, kids. Hope it works out all right. We are sent with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit fuels our mission. There is no church with a mission that comes without the Spirit of God. Amen? And I hope you perceive in this place that this is a place where God's spirit is beginning to drive mission. Amen? Hey, Y'all got to say amen because you know that better than I do. Well, we think about what Jesus has to say of the spirit all the way through this whole book. Jesus baptizes us in the spirit. It's a brand new wild life. It's a fountain within us and a fountain that will satisfy our thirst. It's something that's going to guide and teach us, fuels our mission and lots of other little pieces along the way. John has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? It's not an add on. It's not a side item. It's at the core of the gospel, an important part of what it means to be Jesus's disciples, to be engaged with his mission in the world, to be people who live by his spirit.
So let us open ourselves up to the Spirit. I don't have to say it any more than that. Let us be people who embrace the life of the Spirit. Let us be people who are continually engaged with what it is that the Spirit is calling us to do, with the gifts that it's offering us in any given moment. Let us be people who open ourselves to the Spirit. I want to give you two ways of doing that real quick before we close today. The first one is take a breath. You get it like the breath thing. Okay, all right. Everybody take your hands real quick. Put them like this, put them on your heart. I got a microphone there, but I'm still going to do it. Okay. I want you to breathe in. I want you to do it three times. I want you to do it real deep. Ready? Here we go. Number one. <laughs> that was precious. Breathe it out nice and slow. All right, we got one lump. We got one more. Here we go. Ready? Breathe in. My friends, I ain't gonna lie, it's been a little stressful lately. Even leading to this last week, right? This is a big weekend for us. Kids, we're gonna go try out new schools. We're gonna go see the house that we've agreed somebody to give a bunch of money for. We were bringing our dog, that was crazy. <laughs> it's been stressful. There have been a lot of times through this week that I just needed to step back, take a breath. I've really very much reminded myself and said, oh God, show me where the Spirit is leading me this week. A lot of times I like to give a little homework, something for you to do next week. I'm not going to do that today. Today's homework is for today and tomorrow, Sunday and Monday. And I don't think I'm going way out on a limb to say that over the next day, I hope there will be one time at least where you'll say to yourself, okay, this is my take a breath moment. Maybe it'll be as you've parked your car before you go into work tomorrow morning. Shove that thing in gear and take a breath. And remind yourself and say, let what happens right now, let what I do when I'm walking, to, let who I am when I walk into this building, let that be somebody led by the Spirit of God. It might be when you're dealing with somebody in your family that's giving you all kinds of trouble and you're just trying to figure out how you're going to get through one more day without, you know, saying things that you shouldn't. And that might be your take a breath moment. Step back. You got to do it. Put your hands on your heart. Feel yourself breathe and say, oh, spirit, help me. Help me. Doesn't have to be anything fancier than that. No spirit of God, help me. It may be that you're dealing with something that you just perceive that you really need in your life. 
and you're trying to figure out how you're going to accomplish, how you're going to make the, the bills reach, you know, how you're going to make things meet that day. Spirit, help me. It may be that you're kind of dealing with some, uh, some frustration, okay, with somebody that you've been trying to reach and you just don't know how you're going to get through to them. Oh, Spirit, help me. It may be that you're coming up with somebody that you want to reach, you want to speak to them about Jesus, and you can't figure out how to say the right thing. You don't know what, how in the world you're going to help them recognize the gift that is in Jesus. And you don't have to do it on your own. Take a breath. Put your hands on your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. What do you think, church? Sometime between today and when the sun goes down tomorrow night, you think you can find a moment like that? When you find a moment like that, it doesn't take long before you find a second one. And it doesn't take long you found that second one before you found a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one because we start building the habit that when we encounter whatever, we remember that we live by the Spirit. So take a breath. And then second, is we have to learn to share that stuff, right? I remember growing up that I learned that the things that you do in church were you pray and you read and you take communion and somebody preaches, right? And then you have announcements. Wait, that's not the fifth one. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Contribution? Oh, well. When I read the book of Acts and I see what the early disciples were doing, you know what I think one of their most essential acts of worship, acts of worship was? It was listening to the Spirit and then sharing with each other what the Spirit was calling them to do. And the church has to be a place where we talk about that stuff. So let's make ourselves use the vocabulary of this week, I felt the spirit moving me to say something, to do something, to question something, to think about something, to feel something. I've, I've got so many hopes for our life together. I do. One of those things that's right at the top of the list for me is I hope this can be a place where I can come and not just talk. I want to come and hear about the spirit at work in your lives. Can we be that kind of community together? A community open to the spirit of God, reminding us of the things that Jesus has taught us, open to the spirit of God, fueling and satisfying our thirst, open to the spirit of God, immersing ourselves in it. Or is the way that you guys have been saying it. A community that's following Jesus together. Because if you're following Jesus together. You are absolutely doing it by the power of the spirit. There is no other way. Let's pray together. Oh, giver of all good things. We're taking a breath now, and there is a good thing that we want to ask for again. And you told your disciples, 
that if we asked for it, if we sought it, if we knocked on the door for it, that you would give it to us. So, oh God, we claim that promise of Jesus and we ask you again to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may it fuel our lives as we embrace your mission in the world. In the name of Jesus, we say, amen.